Welcome to the Razor Show with the Athletics' Nick Underhill and Jeff Powell, plus three-time Super Bowl champion Matt Chatham. What's up, everybody? This is the Razor Show, Jeff and Nick edition. Uh, for anybody who is has been listening to the podcast since the start of it, uh, this is the first time Nick and I have done a, a podcast with just the two of us in the home base location. Just due to our crazy, crazy work schedules, uh, we're kind of splitting things up between the two of us and then Chatham, who is handling the Monday and Friday shows. We're going to try to hit you every Wednesday. So our first uh, home base edition here, and we've got a game to talk about. I mean, this is after the last couple of weeks, especially there's some actual excitement to look forward to on the football field when the Patriots visit the Bills on Sunday, both 3-0. and I mean, I don't think anybody is really sitting here saying that the winner of this game is going to control the AFC East. Okay, we're not saying if the Bills win this game, they're going to control the AFC East. But there's some actual intrigue. And anybody who has listened to me for even a little while knows how much I love going to Buffalo. Uh, I know I'm in the minority there, but I love the atmosphere. I love the town. I love the area of the country. And are you being they, serious? I absolutely am. I that's love like, Buffalo. That's like kind of like my hometown. So like to no. hear someone say that like Buffalo is okay. Like it's, it's cool. I, I love going to Buffalo every single year, regardless of whether or not the bills are good. I mean, every now and then there, there is a game up there. It's a little exciting to look forward to. And this might be, uh, you know, the biggest one, I guess, at least in, in, my time covering the team. Did you, like in Lowell, did you guys used to like throw each other through tables and set each other on fire? Is that why you like it? Like what, what's the deal with the Buffalo love? No, no. I mean, we did some stuff. I mean, we did some some stuff with our friends, I guess. But uh, no, I, there's there's a different breed of, of insanity up in Buffalo. And I love it. I absolutely love it. I love Bills fans. Uh, I love, you know what's crazy? Like as a reporter, you get exposed to a lot of different fan bases around the country. Some of them you can't stand. I've I've had very few bad interactions with Bills fans, which I think is is interesting because they're so you see them on Twitter and, and or the videos and all that other stuff. Uh, but you know they're not vile, and I don't know maybe maybe I'm they're just a little vile. To the they, good ones they carry around dildos. I mean they're they, they're a little vile. I mean there's what's wrong with some dildo fun? <laughs> so this is I expect to see a lot of objects on the field on Sunday because that's just look this is. This is my kind of atmosphere. <laughs> uh, Pat's Bills in Orchard Park is going to be a good time. No, they, they are kind of great. I mean, the passion they have for their team is, is amazing. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of exciting because I do think that they're probably kind of a real team. I, I don't know if I believe in their offense or defense, though. I think it is really, really good. Probably probably the biggest test the uh, Patriots have probably faced to date coming up. You know, that Steelers game what was somewhat legitimate. Let's start there. Like, People like, you know, they're kind of coming out of pocket a little bit talking about like, you know, this team hasn't done anything. They haven't played anybody. The defense shouldn't be believed in. I'm not subscribing to that at all to this point. And if they dominate the Bills, you know, I don't think that's going to change anybody that's a doubter at this point. The doubts probably won't go away for like another five or six weeks until they get into that November schedule when it starts to get a little bit tougher. But like the Patriots defense is playing extremely well and they have to make these teams look bad. And it doesn't matter if it's the Jets with, you know, some nobody at quarterback. They're still going out and, like, getting, you know, only 100 yards and no touchdowns. Like, that takes an effort. The defense looks organized. They're, they're doing the things they're supposed to do. I, you know, I'm, I'm a believer at this point. And, like I said, I don't know if beating the Bills changes anything. Moving the ball on them, 
I, you know, I, I don't really think there's a lot of doubts about the offense, but post Antonio Brown, seeing them move the ball well would be a good sign. But like, focus on the defense, man. Like, I'm extremely impressed with them, and and I just I'm not sure where you stand on this. I think we're on the same page, but like the doubts to me seem a little bit outrageous right now. Well, there's always an asterisk when you cover the Patriots, whether you hear it from oh, yeah. fellow media members or you hear it from skeptical uh, fans, whether they're Patriots fans or the other 31 teams in the league. Again, because our Twitter mentions fill up. There's in past years it was oh the Patriots are off to this great start, or you know they're eight and two, and then it's but who have they beaten? Or it's, oh, but their defense sucks. Now it's, hey, this team legitimately has, if not the best defense in the league, they're right there with the Bears for you know the best defense in the league. But then it's, oh, but who have they played? Y- your job is to go out there and embarrass your opponent. And the Patriots have done that. And that's really hard to do, especially in the division. I don't care how much of a train wreck the Dolphins are. I don't care that the Jets had a third-string quarterback. The Patriots, aside from you know the punt muff, and the pick six with their backup quarterback, they thoroughly embarrassed the Jets. And that's what you're supposed to do. You deserve credit for going out yes. and having a one-sided victory. Not just one, not but not just two, but three. And that Steelers offense, I know the Steelers you know, are 0-3 at this point, but that Steelers offense was at full strength in week one, and they had no chance. Yeah, and you know the other thing, too, is when you're, you're going up by a lot of points – it's very easy to have a letdown and you have a coverage bust or somebody's just, you know, oh, okay, we're up by 30 points and we're just going to like let off the gas a little bit. This defense hasn't done that either. And I think that's very hard to do to have that kind of mental toughness week after week after week where very quickly you're playing in games where the second half defense does not matter and they're still putting it together and they're still getting after the quarterbacks. Their fundamentals have stayed on point all the way through the effort levels extremely, extremely impressive to me to this point. The second quarter defense didn't matter yes. against the Jets. I mean, that game got so boring so fast. I was, I mean, I had to like talk myself into pretending the point spread was a real thing just to keep myself engaged. So these guys were out there, you know, actually hitting people. So look, I think we're going to look at this, whatever. There's a handful of different ways that we're going to come out of Sunday evaluating the game. I think one of them could be, why were we hyping this one up? Tom Brady's 30-3 and three against the Bills. I mean, one of those losses was the Lawyer Malloy game. Another one was uh, he basically played half the game and then Garoppolo came in. So for all intents and purposes, he's 30-2 and two against the Bills. And the other one was one of those losses was 16 years ago. My, uh, Sean McDermott is 0-4 against the Patriots. I mean, the Patriots historically have had their way with the Bills much to a much greater uh, rate of success than with the Jets and the Dolphins. But... You know, you you go into this and we'll stick with the theme of the defense. I think this is a game the defense actually has to go out and win for them. Now, you could make the argument that the defense set the tone for the offense in the previous three wins. But this might be a game where if Julian Edelman isn't able to go with that rib or chest injury, whatever you want to call it. You know, this is going to be a tough game for Brady, an offense that hasn't found its stride with the run game and wide receivers who are you know, still trying to find their way. I mean, Josh Gordon three times per game is having an incompletion where he's not on the same page with Brady, which I think is a great thing because it shows how much better he's going to get. Philip Dorsett's been outstanding. But again, this is a a Bills secondary that's feeling itself. You know, they're not afraid to to talk about that either. And actually, quick tangent, uh, going into Buffalo this week, as you guys are athletic subscribers, 
the Buffalo Athletic site has a couple of my favorite writers on the planet and Tim Graham and Matt Fairbairn. So check those guys out. Um, they provide outstanding coverage on a weekly basis. But if you want to get their perspective, they're always, always good stuff. Anyway, bringing it back. This is a game where the defense, I think, can go out and win it if Brady isn't able to, you know, have a Brady-like game out in Buffalo. Yeah, I don't want to create, you know, issues with a team that's 3-0 and and kind of just crushing everybody. But the run game is kind of becoming a little bit of a bigger issue. And I do think losing James Devlin is an issue. I don't think that's something that you just kind of whistle past and, and you know, say it's no big deal. Uh, you know, losing a fullback, that's probably one of the more replaceable positions on the field. But at the same time, he does a lot of things for this offense. You've noted that, you know, the first couple games that maybe he wasn't quite at that, you know, Devlin Bowley level where he was just killing people. But Looking back last year at the playoffs, like that fort or the uh, the uh, AFC title game against the Chiefs was basically like fullback porn. Like <laughs> he led the way on, on four touchdowns, and it was just devastating blocking. You know, I went back. I watched Jacob Johnson this week. There's some good things he did during the preseason, but at the same time, there, there were times where you could kind of tell that he was trying to process and figure out where to go and where to lay his block. Whereas, like with Devlin, it's just kind of like seamless, and everything's kind of like you know jazz in motion and and everything's working the way it's supposed to go, uh, you know, he could come in and, and provide that replacement. I don't I don't think it's impossible, but at the same time, I do think it's something worth keeping an eye on. And I think it's it's highlighted a little bit more just because of the offensive line issues. With Devlin back there, maybe you can go into some more power stuff and maybe hide some of your weaknesses on the offensive line, whereas now, you know, there's a little bit more of a question mark there. So against the Bills team where I, I do think that maybe you could possibly need to end up in a fist fight a little bit, establish the run so you can get the play action going. I do think that is kind of a, a big area this week. It's Yeah, it's going to be hard to win this game if you're a one-dimensional offense. Now, that kind of lends itself to Josh McDaniels and Tom Brady being a little more creative, and then you use the passing game as an extension mm-hmm. of your running game. You're going to have James White back, and Rex Burkhead is off to a really strong start. So, you know, maybe you incorporate some of those guys. You try to get the screen game going. You try to get some of those blockers out into space to, you know, just create some matchups the way that you would like to be able to. Um, you know, as I'm kind of rambling here, I'm thinking off the top of my head, Josh Gordon had such a great block on that uh, Burkhead touchdown Sunday against the Jets that it allowed a guy like Marshall Newhouse to be out in space against Daryl Roberts. And when you got your left tackle in a 120-pound uh, size advantage over a cornerback, you know, that's the type of matchups that you're trying to create uh, in order to manipulate a running game that is still trying to work through itself. I mean, I don't think, uh, I mean, it's, again, you, you got to try to keep that defense off balance. And we're sitting here throwing around football cliches, and that's not fun or exciting or anything like that. <laughs> but again, if you're going to try to find a way to generate, let's call it 20 points. And if you can do that with the defense that you have, you should be able to go out and get a quality road win. Are you confident in the offensive line? Or do you think that this is maybe the game where we find out if there are big, big issues? Yeah, that's. A, I mean, there are. I like the pieces that they have. But as a unit, as pass blockers, they're doing an incredible job. And Ted Karras, I mean, he came back to earth a little bit against the Jets. A couple hits that he gave up when Brady you know, literally held the ball for five seconds. Um, you know, well, the sack that he gave up was against Stidham. I, I mean... Bottom line, Karras got beat on that play, but does Brady do something a little quicker with the ball to avoid that sack? So there's maybe an asterisk on some of those pass rushing uh, checks that I gave against Karras. But Shaq Mason had his best game against the Jets. Marcus Cannon came back and had a clean game. Uh, I'm really 
excited about his potential this season because before going down for a week, I mean, he had a healthy summer, which is the first time you could say that about him in years. And then Newhouse was better. I'm not saying he's going to be Isaiah Wynn or Trent Brown or Nate Solder or anything like that. But look, Joe Tooney is off to such a good start. I mean, I don't even know. I mean, I don't know what to compare him to. He's been so good through three weeks. But collectively, you got to be better in, in run blocking. And I can't. I'm not going to try to fake my way through trying to give you guys answers as to how five guys can can open some more holes for for Sony Michelle and company. But uh, the best I can do is just sit here and say, you know, or repeat what Bill Belichick has said. They just have to do a better job and and give Sony Michelle more of a chance. I thought it was interesting today, though, too, that he put some of it on on Sony yeah. as well, saying that you know he needs to do a little bit of a better job and. You know, I'm kind of curious, like, where that's manifesting. Like, is he just not seeing the field well? Is he not making quick enough decisions? So, I mean, that, that is kind of something to keep an eye on. But I do think getting everybody back this week, too, will, will maybe help a little bit. You get White going, and they can work off that a little bit. Uh, the next thing – the other thing I wanted to ask you about, too, is just, you know, going back to our, our earliest point, and you wrote the story about Devin this week and about how well he's playing. And it's – Kind of crazy to think that a guy that's been around as long as he's been around, like, could be starting to peak a little bit and I don't, or finding a second peak. I don't even know, like, like how to put that, but he is killing it. Nobody's completing anything on him. He's got a pick every game. The one just happened to find its way to him. But, you know, when you're playing well, those plays have a way of kind of finding you. And when you're not playing well, they don't seem to find you. So, you know, that kind of goes with just making, having your instance, instincts working and, and being in the right place at the right time. But, I mean... Just that secondary as a whole, we hyped it up so much this offseason. And, you know, this this early start, like, is it possible that they're exceeding, like, what we thought they were going to be able to do? Like, oh, with the are. way John Jones is playing and everything. Like, it's it's insane right now. It absolutely is. I mean, we didn't know going into training camp that John Jones was going to be this good. We knew John Jones was going to be good, but not maybe as good as we sort of expected – or. We couldn't have expected him to be a top five slot corner in the NFL. So, um, sorry, we're we're working through some distractions here. We got we got things going. The, the studio's falling apart and things are happening. But anyway, John Jones is a top five slot corner right now. We didn't think that was going to happen. Jason McCourty, we knew Jason McCourty was a solid cornerback. We didn't think or we didn't know that he was going to be as steadily reliable as he's been through three games now. He had, Jason McCourty had, let's call it a dozen regular season games that were just like the three that we've seen out of him so far this season. Last year, he then had about four, give or take, I should have looked this up in my notes, but he had about four games when he would give up like a big play or, or you know, some of those numbers, the, the coverage numbers weren't as favorable as they've been so far. But again, then you look at the depth. J.C. Jackson's able to come in and play confidently. They haven't even had a chance to utilize Juwan Williams in a way that, or in a consistent way. So uh, the depth that they have, we knew that Patrick Chung was going to be solid. We knew that, you know, what Deron Harmon and Devin McCourty were going to be able to provide. But Devin McCourty coming out and extending the run that he finished off with last season is, he's just one of those guys that, you know, sometimes you talk about a lot and sometimes you just sort of forget about because he's a free safety who can, you know, come into the box plenty. But uh, this run isn't just, three interceptions and a couple pass breakups this season. This really started to turn around mid-season last year, and then he played lights-out football uh, when the winning streak started after that Pittsburgh loss. Who's the best guy playing on defense? 
Go- Jamie Collins. Yeah, I was gonna. Yeah. You're going him above uh, Gilmore. Yeah, I am. Uh, you know Ooh. why? You know. All right. So this is. It's crazy to say because Gilmore has. I'm, I want to preface this by saying I'm not knocking Stefan Gilmore, but Gilmore is so good that when he gives up a catch, it's like, wait, did did something just go wrong? I mean, he gave up two catches for 11 yards last week against Robbie Anderson. That's fine. Um, he was 0 of 5. Uh, the, the combination of Dolphins quarterbacks were 0 of 5 when targeting Gilmore in week two. He gave up four catches against Juju Smith-Schuster uh, in week one. That's None of that's bad, but it, it's almost like you expect Stephon Gilmore to pitch a shutout every week, whereas we knew Jamie Collins was going to be good based off the summer that he just had. I just didn't realize he was going to be coming in and playing at He's going to put himself in the all-pro conversation. All-pro conversation. He belongs in the conversation through three weeks. I mean, he's got a pick six. He's got two interceptions. He's got... uh, This isn't an all-pro type of deal, but he's got six run stuffs. Now, I call those tackles at or behind the line of scrimmage. And I only... So, if you share one, I only give it to the guy who's primarily responsible. Six... In comparison to the last, so what does six those mean? Run, those run stuffs might be part of it too. I, mean, I don't know. I'm thinking back to last week, and a few of them were like pretty big flash plays. Like getting getting like a standard like you know run stuff isn't going to make Sports Center, but like if you're getting out in space and, and stuffing you know a sweep to the outside, which I think he did going to the left sideline, mm-hmm. you know th- those are kind of maybe the plays that help you get. There. It's just crazy to think that like a cast off in Cleveland, who we all kind of thought you know had false potential and wasn't going to realize it. And then he comes back on a $250,000, you know, guaranteed deal. You know, uh, it's just kind of hard to to fathom that this quickly he gets back in the, the Belichick machine, he buys in and he's an all pro again, which yeah. is what he was supposed to be in like 2013. I, I wrote a story. I can't remember. It was at the Herald. It's amazing. Um, probably. Let's see. He was a 2013 second round pick. This is why people hate this team. Yeah, exactly. Because we can't figure out which players they're best. Or, yeah, yeah, they bring in guys who just didn't succeed elsewhere, and all of a sudden they become all pro or pro bowl candidates. But I think it was like 2015 when I wrote a story at the start of the regular season that Jamie Collins had defensive player of the year potential. And it's hard for a a linebacker, a second-level linebacker like Collins, to go out and and be a defensive player of the year because you're just not getting the sack totals and people go, ooh, ah, sacks, blah, blah, blah. But – I mean, this is what he has shown in the past. And then we don't know what happened. I mean, the word freelance was used so much that it became cliche. And uh, there was some truth to it. But before that trade in 2016, I know Belichick wasn't happy. You know, he had a hard time getting Collins to focus in on his assignments. He goes to Cleveland. You know, maybe it was the contract, but he goes to Cleveland. He gets paid. He wasn't all that great. I have a hard time blaming anybody for falling off when they were in Cleveland during those years that were an abyss, basically years, decades that were an abyss. Uh, So he's come back and and he has revitalized the first three years that he was in New England. He's found what made him so successful. So when you say who's been the best defensive player through three weeks, it's been Collins. Now, at the end of the regular season, I would fully expect to say that Stephon Gilmore is their best defensive player, but through three weeks... I think Collins has exceeded his expectations more than anybody else on the defense. Yeah, and I, I think that's probably also, like you said, you, you got to go through the course of the season. And to this point, Gilmore really hasn't had to cover anybody. You know, you had Juju week one, but after that, you know, it's 
I, did he even shadow anyone against the Jets? I, I don't. He got Robbie Anderson for. I'm just throwing a number against the wall. Let's say 75 percent of the snaps. Okay. Because he came out and, you know, it's it's always. I mean, I don't watch other guys. I'm sure this is probably standard. But when you have a Gilmore or a Revis or a Butler, you know, the guy stands basically right over the football at the snap. He did that on the first play. Followed Anderson to the side. I went out. I tweeted. Oh, Stephon Gilmore shadowing uh, Robbie Anderson. Play two, Gilmore goes, and I think he just stood on the right side and let whoever come to him. But then snap three, shadowing Anderson. Most of the day, he was on Anderson. All three of his targets, it was two of three for 11 yards with a PBU. They were all against Robbie Anderson. So, again, it was probably three quarters of the snaps. Well, still, even matching up against Robbie Anderson isn't the kind of thing that's going to make people, like, you know, stand up and cheer for shutting him down. Like, when he gets a little later in the season and some of those matchups get a little bit harder – I think that that conversation probably shifts back to him, but I can't argue with Collins as the best player on the defense right now. I think I think he absolutely is. He's he's just been he flashes every game. It's just he, he's done so much, and, and even the way they're using him, his flexibility within the defense is giving them just a lot of different ways to to match up and and do a lot of different things. So it's just unbelievable that this guy comes back and then he's once again, you know. That guy, I'll never forget that Denver game. It was like 2013, and he came out, and that was kind of like his first like like major performance, right? And it was just unbelievable how well he played throughout that game. And you know, that's the guy that you're seeing now. And for a long time, you know, in Cleveland, that guy that guy disappeared, and now here here he is back, just off the scrap heap. And it's the Patriots, man. Right. Well, I mean, look. All right, we'll start with the passing, and we're gonna wrap this up really quickly. Uh, quarterbacks throwing at Collins, four of six for 38 yards and two interceptions. And he's covering the slot some. Like, right. He's. I was thinking about this today. I don't know if this is fair or not, but like he's sort of like the modern-day Adalis Thomas when Thomas was with the Ravens and really peaking. And in the sense that you can throw him out wide or in the slot and have him cover a receiver. Not every play, but he's capable of doing that. But 32 of those passing yards were in week one against the Steelers. Uh, just because, you know, I think there was a play where he just got lost a little bit uh, against a running back in the flat. But even still, as a linebacker, giving up less than 10 yards per catch is where you want to be. He's got the two picks, obviously one returned for a touchdown. He's got two and a half sacks. He's got a quarterback hit, the six run stuffs. Actually, I, I so the leader each of the last two years, including the playoffs, on the Patriots was Lawrence Guy. He had nine each of those seasons. Collins already has six. So he's already got a good season's worth of run stuffs in three weeks. He's drawn two flags. Uh, one was, oh, they were both holding penalties. And then he's got a batted pass at the line of scrimmage. So he's making plays in, in a number of different ways. And then I just want to make one more point about the defense that I like. They've got nine guys in the front seven who are who have at least three disruptions now I count those as a sack a quarterback hit or a pressure so you got nine guys in the front seven now there's seven guys who play in the front seven you got nine of them so that shows you how deep they are who are averaging at least one disruption per game so that shows you where the pass rush it's coming from so many different areas and Michael Bennett is off to a good start but I don't think Michael Bennett's been the Michael Bennett that we were expecting to come in and, and basically mirror Trey Flowers production as a pass rusher a good point. over the last couple seasons. So their depth is outstanding in the front, as well as, you know, we're talking about Jamie Collins and Devin McCourty and Stephon Gilmore in the back. Yeah, that's a great point. I, I kind of expected him to, to be, I don't know, for lack of a better term, beasting a little bit more by now. He's, he's played really well, but it, I kind of thought that was going to be maybe a one-for-one 
yeah. replacement. He, he kind of showed signs. It's it's early, but uh, all right, we're gonna wrap it up here. Your prediction for for this weekend? I think the Patriots win twenty to ten. Twenty to ten. All right, I'll, I'll go. I'll go twenty-seven seven. Wow. wow. Yeah. I you know what? So. If Edelman plays, he practiced. Well, he, he was he was present for practice. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look, I. Can I do the? You probably had like a flak jacket on. Right? Can I do the sports radio caller thing where uh, I call in and I'm like, so, uh, and actually, this is a true story, but a few years ago, I had uh, some strained rib cartilage and I couldn't even go to the gym for three months. I mean, it was like two weeks. I'm on, I think they gave me like some Percocets or something like that. I couldn't laugh. I couldn't breathe. I was in like, and I was in so much agony and that was strained cartilage. Julian Edelman had a guy who was 103 pounds heavier than him land square on his ribs in the middle of a football game, and he immediately went into the locker room. I can't even imagine how much pain the guy's in. And he's a tough bastard, too. So that's the crazy thing. I mean, I've talked to a couple people early in the week who are pretty skeptical over whether or not he can go out there and play, but each one was like, but it's Julian Edelman, so who knows what's going to happen at the end of the week. Maybe he recovers quickly. Maybe he just says, screw it, I'm playing. So if Edelman plays, I'm a lot more confident about the Patriots going to Buffalo and winning. But either way, I think the defense is good enough to go out and win this game for them. So we're both predicting a defensive touchdown. Josh Allen's the guy to break the streak. Oh, geez. You know what? Like, logically, like, I, I give the other team points, but, like, is the logical thing to give them... Like, somebody's going to score a touchdown at some point. Josh Allen's going to accidentally overthrow a guy, and there's going to be somebody else behind <laughs> him who's going to catch it. There's going to be, like, a tip... Uh, you know, Josh Allen, you know what he reminded me of last year? We've been trying to end this show for like 10 minutes now. Josh Allen last year up in Buffalo, I think it was, when he had all these overthrows, reminded me of Mox in Varsity Blues oh, nice. when he just rifled one and hit the mascot in the face, except Mox did it on purpose. And you know what? I think Josh Allen is going to be the guy who accidentally knocks out a, uh, a mascot on the sideline with some of these overthrows. I mean, he could throw that ball right over that mountain. Given given Josh Allen's tweet history, I don't know if he's as smart as Mox. So, well, I mean, who, we could <laughs> we could have an entire Varsity Blues show right here and break down Mox's character and and all the you know whipped cream bikinis and stuff like that. But you know, that's we'll save that for a future Razor show. All right, so that's gonna do it for us. Uh, thanks for joining us. Like, rate us on on iTunes. Subscribe to the Athletic, and uh, we're out.